Welcome to this special tech edition of Talk Commerce, where we explore how merchants, agencies, and developers experience commerce and the communities they work and live in. This week, we interview Joseph Maxwell and discuss his new book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. The video version of the podcast includes an exclusive unboxing of the book. You can't miss this. Joseph goes over his motivation for writing this book and how it will help developers be better developers. Joseph discusses the mindset of resolving problems. We go over TAD. You can learn what this means if you listen to the podcast. We talk about work-life balance and how Joseph handles this in his real life. We talk about documenting your code and how important this is. Joseph gives his five top things that every developer should know. Hint, number one is xDebug. This will double your productivity. Joseph talks about Magento certifications and why they are so important. Why not get certified today? The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by SwiftDotter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Otter. Swift Otter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. Cloud is a new normal for companies of any size. Buying, maintaining, upgrading, and disposing of machines is expensive and complicated. Amazon Web Services, managed by eWay Corp, offers an easy-to-use, flexible, cost-effective solution to all your infrastructure needs. eWay Corp can provide a secure, reliable, scalable, high-performance network that will make your office hum, not literally. eWay Corp has saved its customers an average of 31% on their IT costs while adding 62% to the bottom line efficiency. To top that, their customers have seen 43% fewer security incidents. Go to eWayCorp.com to learn how you can start saving money and headaches by moving to the cloud. That's E-W-A-Y-C-O-R-P dot com. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Uh, welcome to this special episode of Talk Commerce. I have Joseph Maxwell here, and today we are going to do an unboxing. Before that, Joseph, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. Yes, uh, Joseph here from Swift Otter, CEO of Swift Otter. And uh, I, it's funny, I do have more or less two jobs. And in my, the daytime, I help build websites for merchants. And you might say in the nighttime or weekends or mornings, whenever I can fit it in. Uh, I, I, my goal is to help developers be the very, very best that they possibly can be. And so whether it's helping them get certified on the Magento platform or what we're going to talk about here in just a minute, uh, it's really my passion is to help developers be excellent and great developers. 
Yeah. And just uh, to help you out too, we are going to go over work-life balance. So you do have a full-time job as a dad right. as well and a husband. That's right. So we're going to yes. go into that. But anyways, I what I'm most excited about is this book that I ordered. And uh, it's been it's been a couple of days that I've had it, but this is the official unboxing. And I'm hoping that we can create as much buzz as like some of those other unboxing ceremonies that they have at, on Amazon, or I mean, on YouTube. So I haven't actually tried this in advance, so I'm do we're doing this live. So for the people on the Testing podcast, they can't grip see strength this. there. Yeah, so I am. I am going down the spine, and I'm ripping apart this box in eager excitement. And uh, so I have uh, Joseph's book, "The Art of E-Commerce Debugging," <laughs> which is brand new. I'm very yep. excited, and I got a T-shirt. Is this, does the t-shirt come with every book or is this special for me? I was special for you. All right. Well, I should have, I should have opened it in advance, but we are going to, I'm going to read the book and uh, we are going to do a follow-up. So I appreciate that. Ma a matching shirt here. We'll look like twins. Bugs, bugs fear me, which is, yep. is what the shirt says. So I appreciate, and in Minnesota, we need that because we have plenty of bugs at this time of the year, maybe in the winter. The bugs don't fear me, but uh, <laughs> in the summertime, we are at not at a shortage for bugs. So, I well, I heard the state bird of Minnesota. You you've heard that, right? Yeah. You go ahead. You can tell me. It's the the mosquito, and some yes. people call it minnesquito. Yeah, <laughs> very true. It's odd too because I'm sure they have more mosquitoes in Florida. They have those they have those patios with uh, with that's right covered in a that are covered in a, a screen porch, a giant yes. patio. They, they have to keep their alligators out too. So very That's right. hardcover book, Art of Debugging. I'm working on my camera work here. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, who did the illustrations? A guy that are uh, the person, it's called a typesetter who made the book look pretty, took it from our Google Doc format and put it into color. So he has one of his buddies from Portland, Oregon, uh, was a is an illustrator and and done has done quite a little illustrations. And so he he agreed to come on board and and, and not only and, and the cool thing was with him, I, I don't feel like I'm overly creative as far as like coming up with those funny ideas. Like that I'm not that funny of a person. Except I do seem to get into some really sticky situations. But the this guy, he, he came up with all the ideas. I kind of fed him a general idea for everything. And he totally took it, knocked it out of the park and, and made some, what I think is some really funny developer jokes. And the guy's not even a developer. So it was, it was really good. Yeah. So I, I am looking forward to reading it. And, and of course, too, people can't see it, but there are actual illustrations. This helps me as well. So, uh, uh, if you have a page number with a joke I could read, I would quickly do that. If you don't, then we can keep moving here. Uh, but yes, very nicely written, very nicely illustrated book. Um, I'm excited to dive into it. Um, so uh, why don't you give us a little background on on some of the on a, some of the reasoning behind this and some of your motivation <laughs> and uh, why why somebody would want to want to get the book? Sure. So the through my 10 years of, or actually more like 15, depending on how you want to count it, as on building websites for e-commerce, I've, I've gone through the first, I would say 10 years of that. So 
depending on how you want to count it, seven to 10 years of it, of, of that pretty much solo. And through that process, I was literally the only person to have to fight through a problem, which I think was some ways discouraging, but also I can see how it forced me to figure out systems to better solve problems. I wasn't able to rely on other people as much. And so now that I have other people in this process, I've come to see the great importance of other people, but it's also balanced by me going and figuring out information, solving problems myself. So there's kind of this holistic approach. And that's one of the, that's what we talk about in the first part of the book. This section of the book right here is our mindset to approaching problems. And I think that's so critical. Um, how are we going to solve this problem? How do we relate to our project manager or, or the merchant that we're working for? Uh, coming, they throw a problem over the fence and we say, well, I can't replicate it. It's not a problem. That's like the worst customer service ever. But instead, coming at this problem saying, okay, it happened for them. Now, how can I make it happen for me so I can get this problem solved? Then I go into the, a conversation about a framework or strategy to be able to solve this, these problems. Because, you know, it's it'd be like, I don't know, this is a pretty grandiose example, but if I was to become an astronaut, which would be kind of cool, I guess, but I'm going to go through a lot of training to learn to embed patterns into my mind so that I can quickly respond respond to a given catastrophe should it happen like I, when i understand there's a lot of their training that's dedicated to dealing with disasters i mean you only have so many options when you're miles and miles above the ground here so uh that's what this that's what the part second part of it is about is what i call the tad framework it's an acronym for three parts and and i found it really effective for me of well, let me just put it this way. When we get into solving a problem, get in deep, it's, we start losing vision. We start losing track of the big picture, um, especially when we are into, into a stack trace, like way into tons of these different methods that call different other methods and it gets confusing. So being able to constantly reset our, our, our perspective has been just revolutionary for me. And it's, helpful to the people that have been reading and reviewing this uh, book. And I'm really excited about that. And then the path, the last one section is all about those individual strategies that I've learned that have helped me solve problems. Uh, we, we go into depth on using Xdebug and I'm just shocked. Like as I, we did a survey a little while ago um, earlier this year. And I, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, third, 40% of people in North America do not use XDebug. And I keep coming across people that don't use XDebug. I think it's the number significantly higher in India. Just people don't use XDebug. And XDebug is revolutionary to being able to see exactly what's happening in the code. XDebug eliminates Vardump and echo commands that I grew up on. Like that's for the first couple of years of my career, that's all I use is Vardump and XDebug. And it was a pain. And especially big pain when you're trying to solve really deep problems. Um, and, and we go through a whole bunch of other strategies, like ways to categorize the errors. And, and per these different categories, here is the solutions that were the steps usually to the solution. And then finally, we get into just straight up, here is ways to solve problems. So uh, I know that was a long answer, but and I'm so incredibly passionate Tad in about the it. middle there. What do you give us that acronym, acronym and tell us what it means? 
Sure. Yeah, definitely. So TAD is the, a three-step process. The first letter is take an inventory, assess your assess what's going on. Um, we're sent a trouble ticket. What what is happening? What, what is going wrong? Uh, what information do I need to be able to solve this problem? So the next step is the second acronym is attempt a fix. So now that we have information about this, we even have a hypothesis, a fancy word there, a hypothesis as far as what is going on. The second step is we say, okay, we're going to try to get this problem solved. Um, it can be a quick, dirty, ugly hack. It doesn't matter. As long as we have validated this solves the problem, that's great. The third step is then do it again. In my experience, it usually takes two rounds of the TAD framework in order to truly solve the problem. For example, um, let's say that a merchant emails, and I'm just going to quickly run through this. Let's say a merchant email saying, hey, I can't update the name of this product on my website. Uh, you and I would know that uh, it was part of the business practitioner test. It's likely to be that there was a store view override for that product name, right? You have the different scopes and you're, you look at the global scope. Well, maybe there's an override, the store view scope. Well, the easy solution is the attempt to fix would be to go delete that override value from the database, flush the cache, and we're good to go. But ultimately, that is unlikely to solve the problem permanently. And so we need to go through the TAD framework again to say, okay, but how did that value get there in the first place? We actually kind of are dealing with two problems. The first problem was the obvious one that the merchant emailed us about. Hey, this, this value, this product name is incorrect on the website. But then in order to solve this problem correctly, we have to go back in and say, well, how did this get there in the first place? It's, it's very much being a detective, approaching solving problems as a detective with a long-term vision as opposed to just bouncing the ball back to the merchant as quickly as possible. Yeah, and I think... Uh, from a developer's standpoint, and from especially from a new developer, this is such a hard skill, and it is a mm -hmm. learned skill. Um, and I and I feel like, and, and you know, full disclosure, we you know, I did get privy to some of the book in advance, so I, I I've read part of the book, if uh, anyways. But um, <clears throat> to learn that is is isn't as easy as it sounds. So going through some of this this just going through this. Um, exercise of, of practicing that is going to help every developer number right. one to be uh to be creative in looking at the problem mm -hmm. and not getting stuck into one framework and then giving yourself some time to try to solve it but also knowing when you need to step away and either ask for help or just take a that's break. right well and that's the important part brent about that third step and i think that could be one of the most critical steps. We always think about solving problems in the in the framework of, well, I got to see what's going on and then I got to fix it. See what's going on, fix it, right? But it's thinking of it as a cycle of a, of of a, of a system whereby that third step is I get up from my desk, I walk away from it for a little while, or I go take a walk, or I go. That's an opportunity to go chat with a senior developer, a colleague, and say, hey, I'm having this problem, and the important key point here is. And here is what I've tried. There's been so many people I've talked with. They say, hey, I'm having this problem. And they might even give me an error message and I want to help them. Like on our, our uh, Slack channel, that's well over a thousand people at this point. Like the, they have problems, but then like 
there's no information as far as what they've done to solve this problem. And so that do it again step, whatever you do in that do it again step, and I have a whole bunch of suggestions for what to do there. That's the, that is so critical because for me, like I, I work from home, obviously an example is like, I get to work at eight. Sometimes I'll, depending on my schedule, I'll actually take a shower in the middle of the morning. And I found that actually is a really nice time to reset. I'm still thinking about my problem. And again, we all know about these thoughts that come with or great thinking time in the shower. And that can be a do it again time right there. Like you're, you pull yourself out of the problem, you refocus in on it. It's like, oh, well, I was chasing a rabbit trail here. You know, it's, it's, it is so incredibly helpful. Yeah, that's, that's great. And that's a great illustration of how, um, how a developer can work through some of those problems. And I, I know in the book, you do give some actual examples of how you could work through those problems and how uh, maybe even presenting some of those problems and how to get through those. I think that's, that's, that's a right. great aspect of why somebody needs to buy this book. And this is not a sales uh, this is not a sales podcast, by the way. This is this is no. me being real about the reasoning why why we need better developers. Um, I know you mentioned Xdebug. Um, I think it's important for every developer <laughs> to be able to push back against their team leads or somebody that's giving them time pressure to understand too that a lot of this is done in order to save time in the back end. So you gave that example of having that two-part problem where some That's developers right. may choose, they, they fix it and they're like, okay, boom, we're done. And then, okay, you've told the client it's fixed, blah, blah, blah. And then the next time around it, hey, it's there again. Well, it's we have so maddening. We all, all we've done is solved part of it. We haven't solved the whole right. problem. <clears throat> so having the developer uh, enabling mm -hmm. the developers to be able to give them the tools or at least some of the verbiage to push back to their team. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how to empower some developers to help their team leads or their boss understand that, hey, some of this takes a little bit more time. Absolutely. And I think the TAD framework allows for this because if we start talking about is in terms, and I'm not saying we say it's, we bill out in terms of the TAD framework. Okay, it took two cycles to complete this. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm like, from a perspective of a developer, it gives, it, it compartmentalizes their troubleshooting process. And again, one thing I love about do it again, it, that step, the last step of the TAD framework is it's an opportunity to document what has been tried what has been worked through. And again, and one thing to note is attempt to fix is not a requirement. You don't have, if you're in take an inventory and you're not finding anything that you can fix, well then skip over attempt to fix, go to do it again, reset and go back to take an inventory. So you go through these, these processes, document it in your JIRA ticket and you're gonna show, you'll be able to easily demonstrate to them, look, this, this first part, while it seems like it's been fixed, it's just a band-aid, it's a, it's a quick problem. And I say, and one thing I, I call out in the book is if you have to delete a row in the database to solve the problem, there's a at least an 80% chance that is a temporary fix. It is not the real solution to the problem. And so, yes, being able to push back and say, hey, look, I need more time from this for this. I've gotten through my first cycle of, take, uh, of, of the TAD framework, but the question is, and I think that's such an important question for us as developers to ask is why, 
you know, it's not good. We don't like it when kids ask the question why, but we need to be asking that question all the time. Like, why is this happening? How did this row get here in the database? Just deleting it's not going to solve the problem. And so that first round usually doesn't answer the why or the how question. It's we get that in the second round. And that's the critical, that's critical for being able to go back to the merchant, back to our project manager, team lead, whatever, with an actual solution to this problem. Yeah, and I think too, it's important to understand that, uh, again, just going back to the time saving and that mm -hmm. pressure that developers are put on to finish a task. Massive pressure. Um, even using, uh, you know, you had mentioned Xdebug is not used a lot. I think the, the Magento testing framework is hardly ever used. Mm -hmm. And the biggest argument I get about that is, oh, it takes us so much time to write these tests. Um, <laughs> that is baloney, that's BS. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to put out the argument right now to every single agency owner out there that no, you need to press your team to write mm -hmm. tests now, rather than waiting to write them after or never writing them and then having to do those tests over and over again. Mm -hmm. Well, And here's my point on this. And I will say first and foremost, I am not somebody who uh, historically has been very good at writing tests. It, it's a complete mindset shift. And in fact, I'll, I will say this, that uh, next Wednesday, I don't know when we're going to, when this will be published, but I, let me pull up the date here real quick. But I have a, I'll be putting out a video. So if depending on when this is out, I have a video out about this. Uh, let's see, this is um, August 4th of uh, 2020 or 2021. So I have a, um, that'll be, I do like a monthly ninja training series. And this is arguing our second time of this. And I'm talking about integration tests, and that's kind of a piece of the full testing puzzle, but it is, I think it's the easiest for a developer to understand, and my goal is to be breaking this down to easy to grasp concepts, and and a lot of this also just comes down to the lack of training. Uh, it is, I, mean, I'll, I will say it this way, it is virtually impossible to test bad code at least test, write tests in any reasonable amount of time. But tests are incredibly valuable because they're written once and they will run forever. I uh, recently, a little while ago, I had built a test for something I had, I had written some tests and ended up changing the logic of how that code ran. So the test was still there, but I changed up how the code ran. I literally went back and reran the test and it worked. Like it's, it, well, I think it actually might've failed. And then it, I, I, I fixed the code and then it worked. It, it, it was a, it's a moment in time that proves this code works. You can change the code and then run the test to see if the output from this method works. But the reality is if we write bad code, if our methods are, for example, 200 lines long, if our, um, if, if, where classes are a mess, we don't have good architecture for how this stuff is run. There's not like bite-sized pieces to test. It's an absolute nightmare to test. And I think that's the biggest hurdle for people getting in to writing these integration tests at the bare minimum is the fact that they're not writing good testable code. So we start there and then we work up to integration tests. And that's how we've, I've been doing with this Ninja training. Our last month was about writing, more or less writing testable code. And this month is we're actually gonna start talking about some tests. 
Yeah, and I think if you go back to episode two of Talk Commerce, I interview Christoph Ringless from Fuman. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I love that guy. talks a lot about how testing has yes. saved him so much time. Yep. And especially around versioning, the versioning of Magento in that you only have to run those integration or the, those that tests off against that new code to find out if you have any problems. You mm -hmm. don't have to run. You don't have to run the website and then figure out are there any problems after the fact. You can run those automated mm -hmm. tests even when that comes out. And as a partner, we get to, we get that code in advance. So we have a, right. as a as a technical partner, as a solution partner, we get the Magento code a couple weeks in advance, which gives us a chance to actually test a code and make sure our extensions are running at the time of mm -hmm. delivery of the new code which yes. is a fantastic thing for, for merchants. But if you think about it as a developer, how much more easy is your job when you have that test written a year ago yes. and mm -hmm. now the new version comes out and oh, oh absolutely. rerun the test and make sure it works. 100%. And, and you know, here's another advantage of, of writing these tests. I was working through a, a problem the other day where, um, and it seemed random, but we finally, we figured out what was going on. When you logged in, you had items in your cart, you log into your login as a customer account. But when you log into your customer account, there was already items in that customer's accounts, that customer accounts cart, shopping cart. So what Magento does is it merges those two together. Now here's the problem. There was a, there was issues with that merging process. We were losing some data through that, that we had, attached to some of these quote items. It was an absolute pain trying to log out, log back in, add items to the cart, open a new browser window. You get what I'm saying? That that process was an absolute disaster. And I and I realized, wait, why am I doing this? I think I can I think I can manage uh, replicating the situation with an integration test. Basically creating one quote, creating another quote, adding items and configuring these items. And yeah, that was a bit of a pain. And then calling the merge on those two in an integration test. And boy, that made life a lot easier. I made yeah. life and it's so much easier. in the future too. Just, you, you, just, need that, you have that test that's right. to use again. Absolutely. So I'm, yes. I'm a very am, big, uh, big proponent of writing a script to do some data <laughs> work, even if the copy and paste of that data work takes the exact same amount of time just yeah. in case you ever need to do it again. That's right. Plus it's fun to write the script. <laughs> and it, well, because here's the thing, Brent, it's one of the aspects of integration testing or writing a script is its documentation. And historically speaking, I've been so bad at documentation. It's gotten better over the last couple of years, but this, it, it that script is documentation. It, it works of, and it's, it, it just works. And so that's, one of the big values of that is not only does it is a documentation it works for itself but it also identifies how this and what's happening here yeah and you know i think okay so let's just let's talk about documentation really quick because i like this subject and it came okay. up today because if you are a developer and you're making anything that you're going to put in the marketplace well magento let's just talk about the magento marketplace now but if you are going to put it in any marketplace that marketplace uh, for that extension is going to have a requirement mm -hmm. for a certain quality of your code 
documentation. And, and in Magento's example, you're also going to have to have marketing documentation to go along with it. Mm -hmm. So learning how to write good documentation is a great habit to get into. It's yes. not only going to help you when you go back and look at that code in two years, but it's going to mm -hmm. help the next person that comes along and maybe needs to help you. But yes. if there's going to be occasions when that is absolutely required to get that particular extension live. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. A little story. I, I, like I said, I used to be terrible at documentation. I wrote, uh, it was pretty early on. I think that's probably eight, eight, nine years ago. Ah, that's actually pushing 10 years ago. Uh, eight, I'm going to say just to be safe, nine years ago. I wrote this really complex front-end application. It was in JavaScript, and this was before the days of React and Vue. Like it was, but it was in Backbone.js. It was compiled. It this was a really cutting-edge, cool piece of technology. Uh, our, the customer loved it. It worked well. It was it was about as modular as it could ever be, uh, and uh, through some circumstances, I uh, they ended up this merchant ended up moving on, which is great. They moved up to Magento two, and I just saw a case study about this particular project, how they rebuilt it, and they specifically they threw some shade at me and my work. They didn't call me out by name, but they said the previous agency did not write documentation on it, and this is a moment of complete being candid here, and that really hurt. It hurt in a good way, and the funny thing is. The new product that they built is nowhere like it, it's not as good as it was previously, like the architecture and how it was laid out and that sort of thing. So, but it told me like my number one mistake there was I did not document. I should have provided a lot more information about how to get this up and running. And because it was literally a pathway forward to go to a reactive type of system, view or react or God forbid, a knockout. But um, it was it was on that path, and yet, unfortunately, there was a rebuild process, and it's nowhere near as where it should have be, been today. And I I take the blame on that because I nine years ago I did not do a good job documenting that project uh, again, and that cost the merchant a lot. Yeah, and I think you know just calling out to all project managers uh, and mm -hmm. even to the merchant that giving them time to do those things. That's right, and. From a project manager's standpoint, you mm -hmm. have to, I, I don't know if you, you can insist on it, but there has to be time put in to write that documentation. And that, right. that value has to be uh, then given to the, or told to the merchant on why that's important for the merchant to have that documentation. Not yes. only for the how to use documentation, but then what does that code do? Um, can Maybe you could just uh, talk about uh, quickly, I know that there there in the past have been some code documentation generators that would work on your work on your your um, functions on on the help bits on your functions and things like that. Do you recommend anything like that to ge automatically generate documentation? No, not specifically. So one thing that has really come a long ways is the is in PHP uh, the embedded documentation has gotten a lot better. So for example, I can, you can do type hinting and um, return types and all that stuff. So there's obviously doc blocks, which are, I think really helpful. And I use those occasionally uh, if I need help provide seeing exactly what a given method does. 
we've uh, one thing we do a lot is again trying to keep very modular code. Um, our most of our classes probably weigh in certainly less than 200 lines, and we work to keep them even less than that. Our methods we pretty much there's a few exceptions, but we work to have small uh, amounts of code per method. So as such, we're able to descriptively name things. And I think that helps at least when you're in the code, understanding what's going on. But what we work to do is we document in Confluence and try to have the big picture as far as what's going on, where, how does this happening? And that's, that's the type of documentation we work with the most. Um, I, I suppose maybe we could do a little bit more with doc blocks, but I really dislike when the doc blocks just have and that's what most of the Magento code documentation is, like actually in the code itself. Just doc block is literally this parameter, this is the parameter type. And here's the return type when all of that is literally baked into the method signature itself. Like, why do we need it to duplicate that? So, um, so ultimately, most of our documentation ends up most, I'm going to say at least 80% ends up in Confluence documents, which in my opinion is I like because then we can, that's easy to share with the merchant. Um, as as warranted or as needed. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about not using Xdebug. If you were to come up with some things that developers, the majority of developers don't do, what are the top five things they should be doing if even if they are doing some of those five? What, what would be your list there? Mm -hmm. uh, number one is Xdebug, <laughs> as you guessed that. Um, so I, be, just because the... I keep hearing from people, this is revolutionary. I had no idea how much productivity I was losing out on it. If there was one thing to make you to double your productivity as far as solving problems and even building modules, that'd be Xdebug, like, and probably way more than double your productivity. But um, so yeah, number one would be Xdebug. I think another one is, um, let me, I'm trying to think of an order here. The second thing I would say is writing tests, writing integration tests. And, and again, I'm not a proponent that everything has to be tested. I am not at a place of test-driven development. I get those are really cool concepts, but uh, making sure that the majority of what we write is tested with at least integration tests is really valuable. And, and every minute we spend writing integration tests, number one, we're going to get faster. Number two, this is something that is can be run an infinitum for the rest of this project. Because again, one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is every line of code we write is ultimately technical debt. We can work to pay that debt back to reduce that debt through things like integration testing, writing quality code, uh, things like that will reduce the debt. But ultimately at the end of the day, there is still debt. Um, and I, have, I just posted, did a LinkedIn post the other day about a great example of, uh, of a, uh, project management tool that we use that had a pretty uh, flagrant example of that. So that would be uh, number two. I think number three, uh, one of the biggest mistakes, and this is a little more theoretical that we as developers make as a project grows is not thinking about reducing the number of pathways to take a particular action. Uh, and that's where this whole idea of bite-sized code comes in. If we are rigorous about as a method length expands, as a classes, the number of dependencies 
that we are injected into a class as constructors, that as that number in, increases, which is going to happen, right? I mean, there's scope increase, there's additional features that need to be added to the website. It's going to happen. Uh, and so we must be vigilant about breaking out chunk after chunk of code and throwing it into its own action piece of business logic model service, whatever you want to call it, like breaking these out so that there is one pathway to do this particular action and everywhere that needs to do this, take this action, it's going through this one route. And I've seen over and over again, as we don't do that, it causes a lot of heartache, a lot of grief over time. And the cool thing is, is we break it down to that action, we write integration tests and it's done. Like this code we know will work for hopefully forever. That would be number three. Um, so your number four. For developers, I think uh, being careful, and, and, and that's just actually probably should be number one or two. But the thing that has killed me more times than almost anything else, and I, and I talk about this, this is like the most candid book I, I could ever write. Um, is just not being careful. Uh, for example, and again, integration tests are an incredibly good antidote to that. I, I tell a story about how I cost a, almost cost the merchant hundreds of thousands of dollars because I copied code and I missed that there was a, uh, a uh, asterisk for multiplication instead of it needing to be a plus sign for addition literally almost caused a major problem as a result. Uh, so just the simple being careful, copy is our best friend, but it's also our very worst enemy. That drop table is also a dangerous one. Yes, exactly. But <laughs> it's okay if you have your backup. So again, yes. that's being careful. Do we have a backup before we take in this action? Uh, and so that would be, that would be probably number four. Um, and then number five, I would say is, get help when you need it, but only get help when you have built out a solid case for needing help, right? Because everybody's busy. I'm, there are very few agencies that I've ever heard of lately that like sitting around twiddling their thumbs that nobody has the things people don't have stuff to do. Like, there are very few that I've heard of. People are usually well maxed, way too much to do. And so developers don't like to be bothered if they don't know what the problem is or what's been tried. Like, if, are they the first person troubleshooting this or is the person coming to them? Do they actually have some background on this? So coming to them saying, hey, look, here's what I've tried. It's documented here in this JIRA ticket. I uh, would appreciate your help on this. Boy, that puts you in a really good spot for being able to solve a problem. And the senior developer might be able to solve it immediately because they've maybe solved this problem before, but only because there's the full picture of information that's available. So there's your five. How about that? That's great. Yeah. And just to everybody know that, that I kind of, uh, I, I didn't pre-do any of these questions with Joseph. So this was a fantastic answer. Thank you very much. That was, that was on the fly. <laughs> let's just yeah, put it good. that way. Um, so, you know, let's, let's move into a little bit about work-life balance. I know you said you, uh, you work at home, uh, you spend part of your day showering. It sounds like mm -hmm. um, a good portion. <laughs> Uh, how important is it uh, as a developer to keep a sane head and not just code 20 hours a day? Oh, man. I, I, you hear of these people that can? 
and I say more power to you. Like it's, it's phenomenal. In some ways I wish I could, I just can't like after 14 to 16 hours, I can't. And that's, that's all like on a sprint. So for me personally, I work from, uh, depends on how motivated I am in the morning, seven to eight to six. So seven or eight, I start in the morning. I work till six in the evening. Um, rarely do I ever work past six in the evening. Well, I mean, six as a round number there, usually maybe often a few minutes afterwards. And then I work on Saturdays. So going into this, I've known that my family is way more valuable than a business than even helping others. My family is the most valuable asset. Call it. I don't, that sounds actually, that sounds re, like I'm reducing them to just an asset. They aren't like they're the most prized things in my life. And I have to dedicate my, my greatest attention to them. And so that's where it's been a balance. I think I I'm getting to a place that I don't want to be working on Saturdays much longer, but I am pushing on this, course the accompanying course for the book uh, and so i'm that's that's I'm, I'm working to wrap things up so i don't have to work uh saturdays um because i want to spend more time with them and uh so yeah it is a challenge i i have an idea that if you were to sign up for a marathon and then on saturday you're going to have to do a four-hour long run and then you're going to be so exhausted that you're going to want to take a nap yeah. Although it doesn't solve the family problem, but it does. That's, solve, yeah, that's the issue. I, I don't want a work problem. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I agree. Well, that would definitely be a good solution. I, I do get out for exercise. And that's that's one of the things that I've been fighting. Because, again, to be very frank here, the the issue that I've been running into is I'm working so hard to try to finalize this course. And it's a tough course to do. Let me just put it that way. It is incredibly tough because I am pulling together real life situations. I've been, you know, here's some of my notes here. Like I I'm pulling together real life situations and I want them to the developers to feel like they're walking along this path of me troubleshooting with them, as opposed to just these little contrived examples. Like it has to be legit problems. And most of these are ones I've already worked through that type of problem I've solved. So it's tough, but at the end of the day, uh, Oh, I guess what I was saying is that, I start thinking of things I can ax from my day. And one of them is exercise. And that's not good because I know deep down in my heart that exercise is critical to my success in a day, but still that's 30 minutes to an hour that I feel like that's on the chopping block, i.e. whether I start working at seven or eight in order to be able to get more done that day. But could I actually get more done that day if I exercise? So that's that's been a, a, a real struggle of mine here in the past, especially the last month where I've been just going crazy. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would challenge every developer to remember the time that they um, yes. they went out and they stopped, they, they couldn't solve a problem and they're like, okay, I'm just gonna go out for a walk or I'm gonna go to bed mm -hmm. and they wake up in the morning and boom, the problem is the problem is solved or- That's right. You go out for a one hour walk and suddenly because you're away from the computer, you're away from the problem, mm -hmm. your mind starts working in the background and suddenly it's done. That's right. I think well, that's, that- it comes back to that, that do it again, right? In the TAD framework, do it again. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think it's important that we recognize that everybody needs some space. So there's, there's a, mm -hmm. you know, as a boss or as a project manager or as a team lead, 
the team needs space to be creative. They need space to learn and they need that they need some space to get, to get away from that problem. And that sometimes getting away from the problem solves mm -hmm. that problem even faster. So Absolutely. going back into work-life balance, you know, I think some of us are always thinking about those things, or at least it's running around in the back of our head. Yes. But focusing on something different allows us to stay, to at least then take a different view on that problem. Mm -hmm. And when you come back to it, maybe that view is a better view. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I think uh, it's it's something that I'm really proud of that we do with our the people that work with me. I'm really, I, I love how this, how we're able to help them. And that's one, one of the biggest, that's why I, it's one of the biggest reasons I wrote this book is kind of a letter to them, the people that I work the closest with to be able to help them to be able to be the really solid developers. And that's one reason I'm doing this course is ultimately first and foremost for the people that work with me. Um, and so, but the problem is this, it, it really comes back to me. Like I'm the one that's still working through this work-life balance because it's kind of uh, my, my baby, but I've been really excited over the past six months to a year. I've had some really good people that are able to, I'm able to delegate a lot of tasks to, and it's been super exciting to see that. I mean, the massive growth uh, opportunities uh, that probably have, have come along as a result. In the entrepreneur community, we call it letting go of the vine. So you have That's to, right. you have to trust that you can let go of that vine that somebody else is going to either pick That's you good. up or grab that. that task and it's going to get done. And that, that, you have a framework in place for that task to get done. Yes. Um, well, Philip Jackson, I'll throw this out here. He, he made a brilliant comment and it applies, I think, to every person at a company. He said the most valuable people to a company are those who actively work to replace themselves. And no matter whether that is the CEO, whether that is any other person at a company, the harder we work to replace ourselves, to build systems, to help train other people up, the more in or the more valuable we come become to a company to the point of literally being invaluable. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that is a great point. And, um, and well said, in fact, um, if you are building out all those uh, processes and systems, which goes back to how you develop your, how you right. develop your code, the more mm -hmm. you can do that, the better it is that anybody can pick it up. So, you know, you talked a little yes. about modular, how, making it in small bites, the easier it is that you can you can make it so another developer comes along can pick that up and use it and and then enhance it and make it better or whatever they're going to do to yes. that code, the more valuable you are as a developer. And um, you know a little secret, a little benefit there, Brent, is it will also benefit you or me or whoever the developer is. And the reason is, I well at least me personally I have a very short memory. Uh, I have a hard time fully grasping what I wrote two or three months ago. And so I will probably be that other developer. In other words, I'm coming back into this problem to review this or fix a bug or add another feature. And I have not the clue what the heck I just wrote three months ago. Right, so the better, <laughs> it's my code. I know it's my code. So maybe I'm unique in this. And I have a terrible memory. It's possible. But that other developer that we're documenting this code for or writing this code cleanly for it actually that other developer could be us. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, let's move into uh, certifications. Uh, why don't you 
you know, I think that uh, certifications, especially in the Adobe Magento community are so important. Why would anybody need to get certified nowadays uh, on Magento? Mm -hmm. One question I would always, I'd like to throw out is why not get certified? Um, the, the risks of not the, uh, the risks of getting certified are so low. It's basically only benefits to getting certified. And I will put a plug out for this. Adobe certifications are 50% off right now. So it's not even like the risk is going to hurt the 401k. Uh, like meaning that the, the, the amount of money to spend for this is not even going to touch the 401k. Like it's so inexpensive at this point, the tests are tough, but they are generally recognized have a high recognition in the community. Now, I will say, time will tell how that changes. You know, there's there's always changes going on in Adobe. Um, the tests as they were have had a very high standard. And as these tests are being changed around, moved under Adobe leadership, that could change. It could even be even more rigorous or it could be less rigorous. Time will tell on that. But they are a great proof of, you know, this platform. It's well-recognized. Uh, people all over, recruiters are using, looking for this. Merchants are looking for, hey, is your developer team certified? And that mostly comes back to benefiting the agency. Okay, this agency has more develop, certified developers than that agency. But at the end of the day, an agency is comprised of developers. That's their bread and butter is developers. And so if a developer is more likely to earn more money at a agency when they are certified than when they're not certified. So, um, and I, and I say more money, it's hard to put that into appreciable terms, uh, because there hasn't been much studies put out about this. And I think we, I done a miniature study on it and I've, uh, like more or less anecdotal, Hey, how has certifications benefited you? And I've, and people definitely say that there is a salary boost when they are certified. Again, it's hard to exactly quantify 20% or 50%, whatever. That, I, I don't have those numbers, but it makes you more recognized, uh, holds you in higher reputation among your peers. As you're talking to a merchant, again, they want to know that they're talking to somebody that's certified. So I know of no downsides to getting certified and only upsides as long as you're willing to spend the time and invest the time in studying. And there are no downsides to study. Like you will become faster at debugging, being able to build better solutions, and you'll be able to re reuse more of what is currently available on the platform. And there's nothing that maddens a merchant, makes a merchant more upset. Well, I think there could be, so I shouldn't say exactly like that. Merchants get upset when they find out a, 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 a feature that they wanted built out and they paid to build out was already available in one form or another in Magento that could have been just modified a little bit. And I've seen a num quite a number of those cases. So being certified is good for your career. It's good for your reputation. And I see no downsides whatsoever. Yeah, you got up, you brought up a really great point that <clears throat> the developers shouldn't only look at that developer certification, but there's that uh, admin certification that helps mm -hmm. you understand what's in there. And that yes. makes you a better developer by getting mm -hmm. that managing your Magento store certification as well. Uh, what yes. if I'm a developer and I'm a little bit nervous about taking the test? Is there anywhere that I could possibly go that I, if I wanted to take a practice test, say, is there anybody that has anything like, do you know of anywhere that has something like that? 
No, no, not really. I mean, there's some question dumps on my, I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So obviously swiftauto.com we have, we have uh, practice tests for every single uh, one of the Magento or Adobe commerce tests. And I'm really proud of, of those practice tests. Our expert developer test, uh, we have like 160 or 180 questions. And in a number of those cases, well, quite a number of those questions are significantly harder than the real test. And that's what I want it to be. Uh, and so, yeah, it, I, I, I think it's a great uh, opportunity to see. And, and I, I haven't heard for quite a while because ultimately the big question with practice tests is how effective is it as, as far as being able to really tell your final score? Because it'd be really lousy to go take a practice test, get a 90%, go take the real test and get a 40%. And let's just put it this way. I have not heard recently of anybody uh, failing the test after taking a practice test. Basically, they're, the scores are incredibly close. And in fact, on most of our practice tests, they're, they're either parity pretty close to parity or uh, our practice test usually is five to 10% harder than the real test. And that's really where I want it to be. Yeah. And I can, I can say that our developers all subscribe to your service and it is, you are exactly correct. And if you do take that test, you are, you are not assured of passing the real test, but you, it is a very good uh, right. indication of how you're going to do. I wouldn't say you can't, you can't take the test over and over again and then go to do, take the oh, yeah. real test, but that that's first a guaranteed failure there. Indication of how you may do on the real test. That's right. Um, great. Yeah. So uh, we have like five, 10 minutes left. Um, okay. Yeah. This uh, went, went quite quick. Um, tell <laughs> us uh, what, besides your own book, what are, what else are you reading or doing to keep up with the times in the magenta world? I love to follow great people out there. Um, there's, so I don't have, uh, see, well, there was a book I was working through. Uh, and again, a lot of this problem comes back to my, just my schedule. And I'm looking forward to opening that back up again. I think there was one of the books I was reading the most recently was a book by Patrick Bet David. He's quite the entrepreneur from Florida. Um, uh, Your Next Five Moves, I think is what that book was. And that was really good. I'm not finished with that one yet, but that one was good. So that's a little more general business. Um, but as far as everything else, I, I love to follow people. I had a great conversation with, and, and so ultimately my Smash the Bug podcast is definitely a source of my learning. I learned so much through that. I love talking with people, hearing their stories. I just had a, a great conversation with Yisei Reitzma. I think I pronounced his name correctly. Uh, from Netherlands and uh, about a particular part of the Magento code that I don't think is architected very well. And we had a great little debate on uh, LinkedIn about that. And we went online and we talked about it in, uh, in the podcast. And it's just, it is so powerful to be able to have a conversation where we both saw things differently going into that and uh, came out of it learning a lot. And so through that conversation, uh, there was a, uh, I cannot remember exactly um, the, uh, who, who, who gave me the suggestion, but they uh, said, hey, well, this is kind of how this fits into a bigger picture. And that was an opportunity to jump in and to learn about uh, the command query res uh, request system, CQRS. I don't, I don't remember the exact acronym, but that was, and I'm intending to learn more and to build more information out about that. And I'll be working with my team on that general building that general uh, architectural idea uh, building system. So 
so yeah, I, there's, there's so much going on and I love again, following those, these, these articles that are coming out, uh, so much, so many great, uh, people that are publishing solid information. And so that's where I, I think I stay up the most up to date with on social via social media. Yeah, you, you bring up a, an important point that it's just as important to, as a, to being a good developer to mm-hmm. be a good learner. And that's right. These conversations and conversations you have about uh, about your code and going to conferences is a great way mm-hmm. to make sure yes. that you have to keep up to date with what you're doing. And I think any profession and there's an expectation in any profession that you keep you keep up to date with your skill set. Mm-hmm. And you need to have some space to learn and make sure that you are keeping up to date. That's right. Um, Absolutely. So I always ask if you have, what, what sort of nugget could you tell a merchant uh, from right now on what, what advice would you give to a merchant? Hmm. That is a good question. <clears throat> I think the, 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 uh, the most important thing I would tell a merchant, especially, but it doesn't matter any platform, is to know that platform inside and out. I've been really excited to see, uh, I've had quite a few merchants coming through the business practitioner course. And through that process, their eyes have been open to what the, the, to the breadth of features that are available in Magento. And I think it's easy for anybody, not just merchants to get locked into these specific features. I would think project managers, developers, as they're probably working on possibly five, 10 projects, depending on the the agency, uh, they're a little more familiar with it. Okay. This, this merchant uses these features and this merchant uses that feature, but for merchant themselves, it's easy to get locked into, okay, here's what we do. And here's just what we do. Like, so breaking out of that mold and reading through the Magento user guide, um, learning about widgets, like where to use widgets. Those are incredibly powerful. And my experience, not very many merchants use widgets, for example, CMS widgets. So that's what, I guess that'd be my biggest suggestion. Read the user guide, uh, click into other areas of the admin, click through store configuration sometime, just take five minutes, pick a section. What does this do? Well, what features are available here that I can enable or disable or configure that sort of thing. So I guess that's would, would be what I would say there. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point too. And you know, I think even especially as you get into Adobe Commerce, the Adobe mm-hmm. Commerce version, there's yes. so many more deeper points that you can explore and that help you as a merchant. There's many features in there that are built especially for the merchant that you may not know about. Mm-hmm. And there may not be a reason why you would know about it unless either you read it or you go to some education to mm-hmm. learn about it. Or right. you attend some seminar that your project manager or your team is going to give your your development team is going to give you mm-hmm. to say that it's there. There's there you're just not going to just appear. <laughs> you're going That's to have right. to do some digging to find it, or at least take some time to learn and look and listen. And it is so important that merchants are experts at whatever platform they are using, because everybody makes mistakes, and I and I and I just really hate it when it happens. But uh, there's a lot of project managers out there. No, nothing against project managers or account managers or whoever's interacting with the merchants that maybe are fairly new and don't necessarily know, or they come from a different background and they're still learning Magento, whatever. And 
it's ultimately up to the merchants, the merchant's money that's being spent. And it's up to the merchant, that final verification, hey, this is really what we want to do, or this is, uh, this is, this is already found in store configuration, or that sort of thing. It's, it's, they are ultimately responsible. And I, I, I'm, I hope and I'm sure in good faith, every agency does their best, but things are going to be missed. And so that merchant being a double check is only possible through themselves also being experts at the platform. And I I love it that people are at these, a lot of merchants are getting business practitioner certified. It's like the bar to obtain, to attain to, to be able to really have a solid grasp on Magento. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so last, last thing we're going to do, you, you have a chance to give a shameless plug. Okay. Go ahead and plug whatever you'd like. Great. Well, I would say, uh, with Swift Otter, our goal, my goal is to help developers become absolutely excellent developers. And I'm incredibly passionate about the whole Magento certification, uh, system. And that's where we've built out the practice test. We've talked about that built out study guides, basically, concentrated documents. So instead of having to go read through the entire Magento dev docs, concentrated documents to help fill in knowledge and also point you to important places so that you can expand and grow your knowledge. One of the really fast way to get certified if you are, or if if you're fairly close to getting certified, but then also courses that help you, that walk you through this process to becoming certified as much A to Z as possible zero to hero, whatever you want to call it. And what I love about those courses, it's an opportunity for me to sit down and teach you excellent development practices. We even get into some architecture. The, this is one of the fastest and best ways to really accelerate and on-ramp your career. And then finally, I just, I'm so passionate about this book, um, Art of E-commerce Debugging and how it's helping people get through some of the most stressful experiences we as developers face the website's down. How do we solve it? Or you're taking too much time on this problem. Why can't you solve it faster? Um, knowing these strategies, knowing how to solve problems, how to approach problems will revolutionize your career, make you a happier person, make you more money and uh, just a, and a great developer all around. That's fantastic. And again, Joseph Maxwell, the art of e-commerce debugging for sale on your website. Is that everywhere else where you'd find a book? Only on swiftauto.com right now. Uh, so right. maybe we'll do Amazon later, but right now it's swiftauto.com. Fantastic. It has been a great hour and I really appreciate you being here. And we will do a follow-up episode uh, after I read the book and I'll ask you some pointed questions about the jokes. All right. That sounds good. I'll be prepared then. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to have it. Thank you. The Talk Commerce Podcast is sponsored by Swift Otter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Otter. Swift Otter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. 
While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftdaughter.com. Cloud is the new normal for companies of any size. Buying, maintaining, upgrading, and disposing of machines is expensive and complicated. Amazon Web Services, managed by eWay Corp, offers an easy-to-use, flexible, cost-effective solution to all your infrastructure needs. eWay Corp can provide a secure, reliable, scalable, high-performance network that will make your office hum, not literally. eWay Corp has saved its customers an average of 31% on their IT costs while adding 62% to the bottom-line efficiency. To top that, their customers have seen 43% fewer security incidents. Go to eWayCorp.com to learn how you can start saving money and headaches by moving to the cloud. That's E-W-A-Y-C-O-R-P.com. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.